Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. We do speak the name of Jesus, Lord, over everything. There's power in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we at Freedom Church, we want to speak Jesus to the nations, to the world, to our community, to those homes that are represented here. Lord, I don't know about the rest of the congregation, even though I'm a sinner, mm. I want you to know that this pastor is in love with Jesus. Amen. And I've been in love with him for many years, and I loved every minute of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, because he was right there by my side. And he was fighting the battle for me. As a matter of fact, he fought it so many years ago at the cross at Calvary. He fought the battle all by himself. Everybody deserted him, but he fought the battle and continued to fight. And as he fought, and the devil thought he had great victory when he drew his last breath, the devil was defeated. And right there, Genesis 3.15 was fulfilled. The seed of the woman will bruise his skull. Amen. And you will just bruise his heel. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We can't live without you, Lord. We wouldn't want to live without you. And we can't do hell. We can do heaven because you're there. We can't be without you. So, Lord, let your presence be in this place today. Let your presence well up in each and every heart that has received you as their Savior and their Lord. Let your power be manifested to every believer in this place today. Not for your their glory, but for yours. Because the scriptures are clear, you'll share your glory with no one. The proof is in the pudding when Satan or Lucifer rose up against you. And he was immediately put out because you will not share your glory with another. Anything you do in this church today or in the world, Lord, we give you the glory for it. And we thank you and praise you, Lord. We're going to speak Jesus from the mountains. We're going to speak him from the streets. We're going to speak, him in different, speak of him in different countries. We're going to speak of him for the presence of the peasants and we'll speak to him to them about the king to the king and to you be the glory for it all Lord Jesus you deserve it certainly not us in the name of your son father we pray Jesus Christ Yeshua HaMashiach Amen Amen. God bless the church you may be seated For everyone that just tuned in online, you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches, and I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here. You know, um, if you, um, we said it earlier, but every Sunday, 10 a.m., we're here. Every every Thursday night, 7.15, we're here. And um, like there's a ladies' Bible study this Friday night at 7. There's a men's Bible study Saturday morning at 9. And uh, all are invited. If any of you out there are local, we're at 2810 High Paluxo Road, Lantana, Florida, and that's 33462. You know, you're welcome to go online. It's freedomchurchpb.org, freedomchurchpb, for Palm Beach.org. And you can check us out and listen to any sermons from years past. You can even donate online and keep the gospel going forward. And um, that's very necessary for everyone out there that's um, not in their churches yet. You need to at least send support to your church, your tithes, your offerings. Because the gospel is going to go on with or without you. I have news for you. But the point is, it's going to go on a lot faster if you, you support your ministries. And you know what? If it goes on a lot faster, that means Jesus is going to come quicker. And I'm ready for that. I don't know about you guys. But. Listen, um, before we go on, I want to thank Lewis and uh, Claritza and Brett and Matt for coming up here and handling this whole situation. 
and my wife's always involved in there somewhere, just so you know that. So we'll thank, thank the Lord for, you know, when I walked in the door this morning, I felt the excitement right off the bat. I wasn't even in the door yet. And I, so there's the Lord's here today, and he's working, and I, you know, we want to we want to fulfill whatever he's he's wanting us to do. So for those online, um, we're glad you're here. We got a special thing. Listen, we may just run over a little bit today. What if we ran over 15 minutes? You think that you would, could tithe 25% of the extra hour that you got tonight? <laughs> you know? So it's either King of King or Burger King, and I'm going with the King of Kings. So anyway, I would like to, you know, um, invite Brett up here. You heard Brett. He did the communion. What a great job, Brett. Um, Brett is a missionary evangelist. I don't know if you know that, but he's headed tomorrow to Nigeria. Okay, and um, we wanted to pray over him and his family before they leave, and they requested that we do. He's leaving for Nigeria, and I don't know if you read anything on Nigeria, but it's not a safe place. Um, you know, there's portions of Nigeria that are just run over by uh, haters of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we want to pray for Brett. And he's going to be over there for a couple of weeks. I think you're coming home just before Thanksgiving. Okay. But then as soon as he gets home, he's going to spend a couple of days, you know, um, with his family. And then his whole family, his wife, Nona, and, and the kids are headed to Brazil. Okay, they're going to be home just maybe a week or so, and they're going to head to Brazil, and they're going to be down there till about Christmas, right? Maybe before Christmas. So we want to pray over Brazil. Is Nona coming up? Yeah. Nona, if you're in there, you can come on up, and we'll pray over you. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Good. Yep. We're going to show a video uh, real quick. We just made this video actually this past week with a friend of ours, but uh, God is going to do amazing things. He is doing amazing things. He's the God of the impossible. And before we receive prayer, you know, we just want to, we just want to show you guys this and get a piece, give you guys a piece of what God is doing in the nations and what we're about to step into. And I want to say that before you, you see this, uh, this was actually a prophecy given to me 18 years ago that uh, the Lord himself spoke to me in a vision. It was in a vision, actually. The Lord gave me like almost an open vision. And I was, I was 18 years old. I was a young man. I just was saved. And long story short, I was at a worship night, and I saw this vision of a massive field full of people, like beyond what the eye can even see. And at that time, I didn't even know what I was seeing. I didn't know what it was because it was beyond my comprehension. I didn't even know crusades like this even existed. The only thing I knew about was, you know, Billy Graham who did like stadiums. But I saw something even bigger than that, even beyond what the eye can see. And it was people, just massive field full of people, millions of people. And I asked the Lord what this was. And the Lord told me, this is people that one day you're going to be ministering to. And I heard the word like sand on the seashore, so shall the number of people be. And we're about to go to Nigeria to be a part of one of the largest crusades that's ever happened in the history of the world. We're, we're estimating uh, one or two million people are going to hear the gospel during this time. And so we just want to show you this video and then we'll have you guys pray. And uh, thank you again for your support. Hello, my name is Brett Hennis. Hi, my name is Nona Hennis. And we're the founders of the Great Harvest Ministries. In this short video, we would like to share with you the vision that the Lord's placed on our hearts and to inform you about what the Lord's doing in the great harvest fields of the earth. Many years ago, the Lord placed a divine call upon our lives 
and he made it clear to us that our mission in life was to be the great commission of Jesus Christ. And that mission is to preach the gospel to all creation, to make disciples of all nations, and to raise up his army and to equip his church for the work of ministry. In just one week, I'm gonna be going back to the heart of Africa, this time to Nigeria, to be a part of one of the largest gospel crusades in the history of the world. I'm gonna be joining a team of evangelists and they're gonna be proclaiming the gospel to hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of people and leading them to Christ and to salvation. During this time, I personally am gonna be leading a team of 10 fiery evangelists and we're gonna be reaching children and youth during the crusade and after the crusade, preaching the gospel and leading them into the eternal home in heaven which they have. We're gonna be reaching them by going into schools, into the streets, and into the ends of the earth with the gospel. We've seen God move mightily before, and now we're believing again for Him to bring a massive harvest of souls. Please, we ask for your support and prayers in this journey of faith. In December, we as a family will be going to Recife, Brazil, to support the local church there and raise up the next generation through an evangelism training. There, we will be equipping the Brazilian believers for the work of ministry. We will dive deep into God's heart and word about the importance of evangelism and fulfilling the Great Commission. Following this, we will take this army of evangelists to preach the gospel in nearby communities, praying to reach thousands of people. We believe that the harvest has come. It is time to pick up our sickles and labor with the Lord. It is time to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ and tell what He has done for us. Behold, now is the accepted time, now is the day of salvation. God has given us a dream and a vision, and now by faith, we're about to see that become a reality. We are going after the harvest, and we're gonna see hundreds, even thousands of souls saved and lives changed. And we're asking you to partner with us and enjoy the heavenly reward with us by helping us in our ministry. So would you consider partnering with us? We will share the link in this video. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. Amen. I'm gonna call my wife, my wife and kids back up, but I, I think the video speaks for itself. If you guys feel led in any way to contribute, to give to this ministry, I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm getting on a plane to head to Lagos, Nigeria tomorrow. It is dangerous. It's going to be probably one of the most dangerous countries I've ever been to. We're going to have security personal armed guards with us everywhere we go. And uh, we need your prayers, needless to say. And we're going to be preaching to thousands upon thousands, even millions of people. So please pray for us as we're going to do now. And if you feel led to give, you know, we have donation envelopes in the back. And you can also go and visit our website. It's www.thegreatharvest.org. If you want to give online, maybe you're watching online. So yeah, I'll hand it over to Pastor Joe. Okay. There's also envelopes and be, be on your seat in front of you. If you want to give um, cash or something to Brent and Nona for this trip, we'd appreciate it. Or you can go online, like you said. Uh, we don't we don't speak a lot about giving here, but, but it's a necessary entity that we need to minister the gospel. So um, everything's right there, or you can just, you know, even if you have your checkbook today, you can write out a check to Great Harvest Ministry, and it'll help support Nona while she stays home and help uh, support Brett in Nigeria and their trip to, to um, Brazil. And uh, I don't know if you know it, but the Lord gave us this commission. He didn't say, if you are willing, go. He said, go. He didn't say, I think you should go. He said, go. It's as simple as that. You know, so um, we're going to pray over, over the family. Is, come on over here. Um, so if I'd like you to stick out your hand and, and agree with us in prayer, we're going to have a little thing today. If I get to that part of my notes, we're going to, about the laying on of hands. So um, here we are, okay? Father, in the name of uh, our Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord, the King of kings, the Lord and Lord, our Lord, our Savior, our God, like Thomas, when he saw your hands and his feet, he said, my Lord and my God. Well, Lord, we're, 
you know, Brett's about to head to Nigeria to preach the gospel, as we heard just before millions of people. Father God, we, we pray that the empowering of the Holy Spirit is upon him. The empowering of your Holy Spirit rushes through the crowds, Lord, and they hear, they understand, they enter the, the Lord's message into their heart, and then they go out and preach the gospel themselves and become the believers you want them to be. Lord, today we pray for Brett as he heads to Nigeria, Lord. We pray for safety, Father God, whether he's traveling on, on land or air. Father God, as he ministers the gospel in the... Uh, as he ministers the gospel in Nigeria, not just him, but there's, there's many evangelists and, um, there that are going to help out, Lord. And I just pray that, you know, your word goes forth in power. Your word tells us in Isaiah 55, 11, that your word goes forth and accomplishes exactly what you set it forth to do. And, Lord, we're going to believe it's done, Father. So we call, call heaven to come upon Brett and Nona as they minister. Nona's going to stay at home, but she's a big part of this ministry in Nigeria because her husband's there, and she's placed with the credits that you use her husband for as he is what you use Nona for, Lord. They're credited to their account because they are one in you, in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, protect Brett as he ministers in, Brazil, in um, Nigeria. Father, keep harm away from every every single person there, Lord, and let the gospel go forth mightily. And Lord, as Nona stays home, Lord, she needs to be touched. Her husband's going to be gone. She's going to be maybe worried, but there's we don't want her to worry, Lord, because you tell us not to be anxious for anything, but in prayer and supplication, just pray and let our requests be made known to you. So we do so for Nona and the kids, Lord, and also for Nona and Brett as they, they head off to Brazil to support the church that they started there, Lord. Father God, and, uh, and to bring uh, blessing and um, the word of God to them, Father, because they lo they're loved and they're respected there. Father God, there's a devil that would love to stop this. And Father, we, we have authority over him. We know we have authority. We wear, the shield, we wear the seal of the Holy Spirit upon us. And when he sees that seal of the Holy Spirit, I pray that he takes off like the bat out of hell that he is and heads back there. His assignments are canceled against Brett and Nona and the children and against the Nigeria trip and the Brazil trips. We have authority. We have the authority to tread upon the serpents, scorpions, and all the power of the enemy. And we do so to the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who defeated him at the cross. To you be the glory, Lord. Father, let, let the... The light, the presence, the power of the gospel glow over this family in Jesus' name as they proclaim your gospel to the world. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. God bless you. Love you, kids. You're welcome. Let me get my notes down here, and we'll get started. I, I want to remind you, too, if you could remember to keep Brett in prayer every day while he's gone to Nigeria. Like I said, it's not a, it's not a safe place to be. Um, so we want to uh, you know, keep him in mind every day and keep the prayers going up for Nona and the kids also. So, uh, so far, it's good morning. <laughs> the Lord is here. The excitement is here. Listen, we're in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. We're doing an expositional study, everyone online, through the, the Gospel of Matthew on Sunday mornings. And uh, we're doing expositionally. You know, last Sunday, I only got verses, um, what is it, um, 8 through 10. You know, um, and this week before that, we only did four verses. So we've been really digging in to this gospel. And I showed you that the four gospels actually give you a perfect picture of Jesus. A perfect picture. Because Matthew, as we're studying, presents Jesus Christ as the king. Pilate even wrote that on the cross, you know, in the sign. King of the Jews. So the whole world would know, and even to this day, everybody knows that Jesus is the king. They might not receive him, or they might not like him, but he's still the king, whether you like it or not. 
Pope. So Matthew presents Jesus as the king, and Mark presents Jesus as a servant. So he's a servant king. Who would have thought? A servant king? I thought kings rule with an iron fist. No. A real king is compassionate. He's a servant. And then Luke presents Jesus as the Son of Man. It's mentioned 29 times in his gospel, the Son of Man. And then John's gospel says he's the Son of God. And that's mentioned 16 times in John's gospel. So listen, so we see a picture of Jesus just in the gospels. He's the king, he's the servant, he's the son of man, he's the son of God. So it's, it's beautiful what, what we learned in the first four verses, really. In chapter 5 through 7, we, we see Jesus gives his principles. In verses 1 through 4, we saw his person as king. Servant, son of man and son of God. In chapters 5 through 7, we see his principles as he uttered from the Mount of Olives, blessed are the poor for in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. He mouthed words like, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed are those who are gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you shall be filled. He also prayed in, in, in chapter 6, Beware of false prophets, which I went deep into that at the end of last week's service. Beware of false prophets. They're all over the place. And then he said in chapter 7, Do not judge, but seek, ask, and find. And, but you're okay. it's okay to fruit inspect your brother's life, to make sure he's living up to his, his, uh, his, his sayings that he's a child of God. If he is a child of God, there's going to be changes in his thinking. There's going to be changes in his emotions. There's going to be changes in his actions. If there's no changes, he better examine himself to find out if he's really saved. And then we saw, I showed you two, two, six twosomes. There is, there's two trees. There's two fruits. There's two types of gates. There's two types of, of people. There's two types of builders. And there's two types of foundations. And we don't have time to go into all that, but this, this, this chapter is really deep. You know what? When I was a young man, I memorized this entire chapter because I recognized the depth of it. And I just had to get the Word of God into me. You know, but you have to keep reviewing, reviewing, and reviewing if you're going to memorize Scripture because that's how you, you save it. I went to my pastor. I says, I keep forgetting, forgetting. And he goes, you've got to review, 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 review. So when you're driving in your car down I-95, review those verses that you memorized. In chapter 8, we're going to see Jesus support his person, his principles, and with miracles. And what did I say a miracle was last week? It's a supernatural activity that reveals a spiritual truth. So as Jesus healed the leper in the first four verses, it revealed the spiritual truth. Nobody ever has healed leprosy. Nobody. Now, Elisha sent, sent, sent the commander of Syria, Naaman, to the Jordan River to dip seven times. God healed Naaman, and he went back to Syria and worshipped Jehovah. Or Yahweh. I prefer Yahweh. I just like the way it was the way it sounds, and I like the way we use the Elohim, the vowels added, the Elohims and the Adonai to create Yahweh, Y-H-V-H. Okay, listen, a miracle is a supernatural truth. So we saw Jesus heal leprosy. Leprosy was never healed by anybody. I remember, you know, I was reading this morning in, in one, of the bio, one of the verses, I'm not sure which it was, when God told Moses to go to... to um, to Pharaoh, he said, well, you know, who, who, are, who am I going to say sent me? And, of course, he said, I am. Tell him I am has sent you. But he said, well, how can you do this? And he says, Put your, throw your staff down on the ground. So he threw his staff down on the ground and it turned to a serpent. And he goes, <gasps> jumps back. Whoa, that was scared the death out of me. I hate snakes. But then God said, take it by the tail. I could picture Moses trying to grab that tail. Then he says, he was trying to demonstrate his power so Moses knew who he was. 
So he says, put your hand in your coat. He puts his hand in his coat, draws it on. It's completely leprous. He goes, oh! He's scared to death. He's, God got his attention. God got his attention. So God says, put it back in. He puts it back in. He takes it out. It stands back to normal again. King Uzziah, he tried to, to uh, take over the incense off of the priest, and he was made leprous on his forehead because he wanted to be a priest too. Not only king, but he wanted to be a priest. But then God, God didn't heal that. Uzziah was reigning as king with leprosy. Listen, nobody can heal leprosy, especially this man, because I showed you that Dr. Luke says he was full of leprosy. And leprosy in the Old Testament is representative of sin. And I, I, you, I know I told you that. Representative of sin. These people were horrible people that had God, God struck them. And that's why they had leprosy. People were afraid of him. Jesus is going to do these miracles so that they would recognize his supernatural power to reveal a spiritual truth that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. So far in chapter 8, we saw the leper healed. We see in miracle number 2 last week, the centurion whose servant was deathly sick, and his servant, the centurion, was, was admired by the Jewish people, and they even told Jesus, if you can heal, you know, if you can do this for him, because he's been great to our nation, he loves our nation, he even built us a synagogue. And Jesus said, I'll come with you. And he says, You're not, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. This centurion, a Roman centurion, over 100 people, Soldiers, he, he, he recognized who Jesus was. I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. And I, I kind of drew a picture on that last week, that neither are you or I worthy that the Holy Spirit should live in us. But we are now the temple of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is, a, is, is in us. So he lives in us, but we're not worthy of him. But God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, and his spirit lives in us for those who are willing to receive him. Today we're going to see miracle number three in verses uh, 14 and 15. We're going to see Jesus have power and authority over a, a temporary illness like a fever. So I want to read those. I'm going to read the first uh, these verses in eight. 14, chapter 8 of Matthew, the 14th verse, and I'm reading from the New King James. Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick and with fever. So he touched her, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. I want you to go also to Luke chapter 4. I'm going to compare the two gospel readings. Luke chapter 4, verse 38 and 39. Now he arose from the synagogue. We know that the leper, Jesus, was coming down off the mountain. Here Jesus is in the synagogue, and he entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made a request of him concerning her. So he stood over her, rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. So here, you know what? Have any of you ever come home from church? You go home and all hell breaks loose in your house. You know, it's a devil at work. I don't understand this, and some people don't. Jesus stood over her, he touched her, he stood over her, and, and then he rebukes the fever. Now, in order to rebuke something, it has to be some kind of personality. So we're going to see in the next couple verses that, that demons are all over the place. So I'm, I'm believing that this is a demon that's holding her captive with a, with a, a severe high fever. But, you know, as soon as he walked in, 
you know, they actually asked him and told her about Peter's mother-in-law, requesting that, that he heal her. That's the way it looks to me, okay? So, you know, that's just fulfilling what we learned in chapter 7, where, where Jesus said, Asking it shall be given, seeking you shall find, and knocking the door shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and him who knocks it shall be given. It shall be opened. Listen, Peter's, Peter came to his house. And he came to Peter's house, and he took her by the hands and just lifted her up like nothing. Fevers are really nothing. And then he rebuked it, according to Dr. Luke. Why Dr. Luke would tell us that? He rebuked the fever. They told Jesus about her. They were asking him to heal her. He stood over her. He rebuked the fever, took her by the hand, and she just came right up, and the fever left. They healed her with a word. You know what I think that word was to the fever? Go. As simple as that. Not be gone. It says a word. Word, go. Leave fever. Hey, the king of kings is in this house. The Lord of lords is in Simon's house. Go. You aren't welcome here. That's the same thing that every church should be praying. Devil, you aren't welcome in this house. The person comes in, the devil stays outside. Because devils love to harass people and they have assignments for certain people. This fever, as far as I'm concerned, was, con was, was uh, a demonic force. It might have been a weaker demon. Maybe it wasn't a strong man demon, but it was a weaker demon. You ought to remember, this isn't Satan. It would have said Satan. It's a demon. It's demons. Satan, you know, he's not omnipresent. He's not all-powerful. You know, he's exactly the opposite of God. Well, he's, let's see. I'm, I'm going to rephrase that. There's nothing that's opposite of God. God's God. The devil's a fallen, created being. He is not omnipresent. He can't. He probably isn't the one, you know, giving this fever to Peter's mother-in-law. He has a demon that will do this, I'm sure. The devil could be trying to mess with your homes, and you need to take authority over them. There's no weapon formed over um, for, by him that will prosper. When he accuses you in judgment, you have the authority to condemn him. Just this authority that we see Jesus has, we have authority from heaven to rebuke any devils in our life. So if the devil's trying to ruin your life, speak over, over him to go because he's not welcome here. Their house is a, a sanctuary for God. It's a building. You're, you are the temple. The building's just, your house is just brick and stone and mortar or, or wood or aluminum, whatever it is. This is not God's church, this building. It's you. You are the church. Each and every one of us make up the church. And just what Paul taught us in Corinthians, no part of the, no individual in the church is of any more value than the other. We could say, you know, the eye is better than the foot. No, well, if the ones that, the parts that have the lesser assignments we don't even think about you can't live without intestines or stomach or your heart these things aren't glorified your feet are your eyes are your your ears are because they're right up front but you can't live without your stomach it won't last very long we got to realize that every every individual in the church that's a believer is a necessity and they all have special gifts They all have special gifts given by God, no doubt. If you notice that as soon as Peter's mother-in-law was healed, what did she do? It says that she began to minister. And that's exactly what happens to a believer when, when they come to believe. 
they will begin to minister immediately. If you come up here today and you don't know Jesus, but, you know, you accept him into your heart right now, you, you know, and you are truly repented with your heart, you will begin to minister to people because you have the King of Kings living in you. That's what, so if you, somebody says they're a believer, but they don't do any ministering, they never hear about Jesus from them, then, you know, they, they haven't had a really change in their thinking. So you can fruit inspect is what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 7. But so far we saw the leprosy healed. We saw, we saw, you know, the, uh, the centurion's servant healed. And, and actually, you know, I've showed you that Luke 7, chapter, verse 2 says that, that he, he was, he was, his condition was serious and he was about to die. So Jesus has power over, and power over leprosy. He has power and authority over, over sickness like palsy. And now we see that he has, has power and authority over a simple fever. It's demonstrated. When the, when the centurion servant was healed, Jesus wasn't even in the house. That shows you that he has, the miracle that he did shows you the supernatural uh, supernaturally who he is, that he is the king. He doesn't need to be present in that house. He has power and authority to be somewhere else and heal you over here, even while he was walking the earth. Because we're saved by grace. Let's turn and go to verse 16 and and 17. New American Standard, chapter 8 of Matthew. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. Listen. Now the evenings there, they, they probably ate with Peter's mother-in-law ministering to them. And now it's evening, and it had come, and they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast them out with a word. And as I said just earlier, I believe that word was go. Those demons recognize it. You, you'll see as we move through the Gospel of Matthew that even the demoniac came running up front. We know who you are. You're the Son of God. They know. They were in heaven with Jesus. They knew who he was. Jesus commanded them to shut up so that people wouldn't realize this at this point. wasn't ready to have that opened up just yet. They knew. But he cast these demons demons out with a word. This is the first time in Matthew's gospel demons really mentioned. You know, it wasn't in the leprosy. It wasn't in the, the uh, centurion's house. It wasn't talking about that. Well, he cast a demon out of Peter's mother-in-law with a word, and I'll tell you what, the word must have traveled really quick because now in the evening, they're bringing those that are demon-possessed to him. They got the message. They understood that this was a demonic force causing your, your fever or your headache. You know, cast it out in Jesus' name. They brought all who were sick. That must have been lots of people, all who were sick. That it might be fulfilled, spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, He took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And let me read the fifth verse. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. By his stripes we are healed. I look up that word healed in the Strong's Concordance, and as I've done many times, 
It's mentioned in the King James Version of the Old Testament 67 times. And the word is Rapha. You ever heard of Jehovah Rapha? Did you ever hear him? Yeah, you hear Jehovah Rapha, our healer. This is what it's talking about when it says, by his stripes we are healed. And if you go to the Greek word and you look it up in the Strong's Concordance, which is H7495, here, here's the meaning. Here's what it is. It says, a primitive root to mend. To mend. Doesn't say anything about flesh. Doesn't say anything about spirit. Doesn't say anything about emotions. He's going to mend you completely and wholly. And then it goes on to say, to cure. The word says, to be healed. We are healed by his stripes, future tense. We are healed. We are healed. That's it. To mend, to cure, to heal, to repair, to make whole. Well, if your spirit's made whole, why wouldn't your flesh be made whole? A lot of pastors and a lot of churches don't believe this, but you don't believe it, it won't happen to you. Because you have to believe. You have to call things that are not as though they were, which is what saved Abraham. If you turn to Second Peter or First Peter chapter two, it says, By his stripes we were healed. That's pointing backwards. It's already been done. If I give Dan my Bible down here, and I say, Dan, that's your Bible. You aren't taking it, though. <laughs> I say, Dan, there's your Bible. And then you come to me and say, Joe, give me your Bible. He said, I already gave it to you. It's already been given. So why not claim it? Dan's already got my Bible. I gave it to him. And God already healed you. He healed you then by Jesus' stripes, and he heals you now. And if you don't believe that, you aren't going to see mighty miracles like we're going to see going on in Matthew chapter 8, 9, and 10. You have to believe. It's a requirement. It's called faith. If you went looked up, you know, 1 Peter 2, 24, as I said, past tense, by his stripes we were healed. You look up the Greek word, it's aomai, aomai, which is a verb in the middle voice, and it means to cure means to cure so in by his stripes we are cured by his stripes and also says you know to heal to make whole also 28 times in the new testament we got to remember this i don't know how some preachers or even people can say god doesn't heal today when you read corinthians and you see that he gives gifts of miracles and healing to people and then we then we read, you know, that, that uh, some, have, some have gifts of healing and some prophecy. And then every say, that isn't for today. How can it not be? Why is it even in the Bible? Why, why weren't those words stricken out if it wasn't true today? Since Jesus is God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is all revealing to, to these people that Jesus Christ is Messiah. The miracles represent you know, uh, a supernatural activity that points to a spiritual truth, uh, reveals a spiritual truth, that nobody can heal leprosy except God. Nobody can heal a servant's dying, a, a centurion's dying slave, you know, from a distance. Nobody can walk in and say, go, and a fever lift, unless they recognize some of the Old Testament scriptures, which I read last week, and I'll read again. Because Isaiah 29, verse 18 and 11, in that day, when Messiah comes, in other words, deaf will hear the words of a book, the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness, the humble shall increase in joy in the Lord, the poor man shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Talking about the Messiah. Then you go to Isaiah 42, verses 7 and 8 as a light to the Gentiles, to open the eyes of the blind. You know who was following Jesus? A lot of Gentiles. Not just Jews. The Jews, a lot of the Jews, especially the priests, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they were looking for reasons to condemn him. 
But the people are there to receive. They're there to receive. So he's a light to the Gentiles. Even Isaiah 9, 2 tells us that a great light will shine in darkness. Shine to the Gentiles. That light to the Gentiles to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prisons, those who sit in darkness from a prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. That's, that's the Lord. You know, he, he's coming. They should recognize this. The Jews should recognize it, but they're so set in their, their, their legalism, their traditions, that they, they turn a blinded eye to the Messiah who's been revealing himself to people, but yet they didn't want to change. They didn't like change, I guess. And you know Isaiah 61, Jesus started his ministry with that as he took out the scroll of Isaiah. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. You know what the good tidings is? The, the Lord has come. He's going to die for your sins. He's going to be buried, and he's going to be risen according to the scriptures on the third day. That's the gospel. He came to preach it. You know, he not only came to preach it, but he came to, to, so you could see it. It could be revealed to you who he is. And when he came out of that grave the third day, you should have known. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Many people are brokenhearted. The widow of Nain's son was raised up. She was brokenhearted. Mary and Martha were brokenhearted when Lazarus died. He's going to heal them when he raised them, them up from the dead. Lazarus and the widow of Nain's son. The opening of prisons to those who are bound. We're talking about those bound by evil spirits. They're just bound up in, in, in uh, what can I say, bondage. Just in bondage to whatever alcohol, drugs, you name it. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the days of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. And that's what Jesus was saying on the mount. To console those who mourn in Zion and to give them beauty for ashes. A lot of people will receive beauty for ashes as Jesus ministered to them. How about, the, how about John chapter 9, the blind man from birth? The Lord healed him. He had ashes, and now he has, he's, he's, he's recovered. He received beauty. He sees the beauty of the world now instead of the ashes of darkness. The oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. How many people are comforted? Jesus said, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. What will we do with the beautiful words of Christ without them? that they may be called trees. In one version, I believe it's a King James says, oaks of righteousness. I don't know about you, but if I try to drive a nail through an oak tree, I usually don't get through without bending it. I'm usually on the second or third nail. You're an oak of righteousness. You're strong within. Jesus is actually IDing himself as he performs these miracles. He's IDing his identification as the Messiah of Israel. Darkness is being defeated as he's walking on the earth. The devil has no idea that he's going to be suffering at the end of this. He doesn't obviously knows the Word of God, but don't believe the Word of God because back in the garden, as I said earlier um, in my prayer, I believe it was, Genesis 3.15, that, you know, God said to Satan, to the serpent, you know, you're going he's, you're gonna to bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise your head. He obviously didn't believe it. And he's trying to fight that right now. He thinks he's going to win even to this day, but he's not going to win. He's already been defeated. You've already been healed. Darkness is being defeated right now in these miracles and the miracles that we're going to see to come by the power of his word. And that's what Jesus taught us in Ephesians 6. You know, Paul was in prison when he wrote the book of Ephesians. And when you get the picture, he's chained to a, to a Roman soldier. 
And, you know, he's been chained there for years. You know, he's thinking about helmet of salvation. What's that helmet? Why does a soldier wear a helmet? Why does he have a breastplate? You know, why, why does he have, have uh, certain kind of sandals that protects him in battle? Why does he have a shield and a sword of the spirit, a sword? Why? And he's relating that to spiritual warfare. And we're going to see that as we move through Ephesians. It's one of the most loved chapters in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. In addition to taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. Now, you know I used this before. This is your shield, your faith. The enemy throws arrows at you. A, a soldier in, in a, a brigade, you know, if you're, the enemy's flinging soldiers at you, the front soldiers would hold their shield down here and cover them, and the soldiers behind him would go like this, and their shields would be up like this. So when the arrows come down, there's a wall that the arrows hit the shield and not the person. So very few people are taken out. The soldiers are all working together. This is a shield, and it's faith, and that's what Jesus used in, in the temptation in the wilderness. The devil told him to do all these things. Throw yourself down from here, for it's written. You know, he probably said in Psalm 91, if it was even identified then, which it wasn't. It was in a scroll. He said, the angels will bear you up if you, if you dash your foot against the stone. And the Lord says, you know, don't take this out of context. It is written. And then it goes on to tell you, take up, you know, you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. I don't know if you know this, but some, some warriors would put poison on certain arrows that would kill you after the battle if you got scraped by them. A powerful poison. Some of them would have fiery arrows, maybe with tar on it, lit up. But the soldiers in the Roman army, a lot of them had leather covers on their shield. And that way, before battle, they would soak it so that it would extinguish those flaming missiles. And then he says, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And you've heard me use it. This is your sword. This sword is dull. It hasn't been used. And even if it sits around, it gets dull, it gets dull, it gets dull. But the sword of the Spirit, every time you use it, you get wiser, you get more wisdom. The sword and the blade gets sharper and sharper and sharper as you, a Christian soldier, uses it. There are 31,102 verses in the Bible. 31,102 verses, and you can use any one of them to extinguish the flaming missiles of the enemy. You might not know the Word of God, but you might know, you might know a, a particular word that, you know, they that dwell in the shadow, in the, in the how's it go in Psalm 91? They that dwell in the shelter of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So when the enemy attacks you, use, grab a sword from the Word of God. Not your word. Your word means nothing. The devils will laugh at you. But you use the Word of God. Have you ever noticed in my teaching, for many of you have been under some of my teaching for many years, I use a lot of Scripture. My words go like this. Your, God's Word, it's still going after you leave here. That's why I use a lot of word, word of God. Because God's word is what accomplishes what he set it forth to do, not my words. I try to organize them, get them in organ, organized so that I could, could present something decent to you. But listen, Jesus is IDing himself, and these people are fighting it. So since we're on healing and we see Jesus healing by, by a word and by casting out demons, I want you to remember, that I want you to see that I actually named this, um, this, this uh, Bible study. If you went online after it's done, I said, where do miracles happen? The, the, the name of this title was, where do, the, where do miracles happen? But I first want to show you something. God heals by faith. There's seven ways God heals. He heals by faith. 
If you went to Luke chapter 17 and verse 6, he said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, we were talking about this at the men's group yesterday, a grain of mustard seed, and they say it's the smallest of the seed. No, it's not the smallest of the seeds. There are seeds that are smaller. It's the smallest of the herb seeds. It's the smallest of the herb seed. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by its root and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. That's faith. You know what? Joshua prayed while he was fighting the Amorites, while Moses is holding up his staff. Remember, Aaron and Ur were holding up the staff, you know, holding up Moses' hand. And Joshua prayed, prayed, Lord, let the sun stop in the sky. And you know the sun stopped in the sky for almost 24 hours. Listen, do you think Joshua had faith? He had faith that stopped the sun. He knew that God was going to give him victory. And he wasn't going to let the sun go down and continue it in the morning. He was going to defeat the Amorites completely and disastrously as Moses and Aaron and her were holding up his staff as his arms grew tired. You try to hold up your arms for about five minutes and you'll put them down really quick. Moses had it up for a long time. You know what? God also heals by laying on of hands. Like today, I had you, we prayed for Brett and Nona. I had you pull, put out your hands. I, my hands were laid on them. Their hands were laid on me. But you were, were in, in agreement with me. And that's another way God heals through agreement. We're going to get to that. Here's what Mark, lay, you know, healing by the laying on of hands. Mark 16, 18. They shall put down serpents. These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. In my name they will cast out demons. The word says put down, put Take up serpents is what the Greek translation reads. But if you read and you go to the Greek word, and I have that here, the Greek word is G142. It's Aero. I studied this in Bible college. And I'll tell you what, that word not only means put down, but it also means take up. It also means take up. It means take away. It means away with. So why would that... It was a very poor translation of that word that says they shall take up serpents. It, sh it should read, put down serpents, because you know my favorite saying, you interpret Scripture by Scripture, and there's no other verse in the Bible anywhere that tells you to play around with serpents. You know, Paul wasn't playing with a serpent when he stuck his, he was gathering sticks and a viper latched onto him. He was just going about his business. He didn't tempt the Lord thy God, which is one of the ways the, the devil, you know, tried to pull the wool over Jesus' eyes. No, no, no. Take up. It's a poor translation. You take up or put away. And if you drink deadly poison, it shall not hurt you. I mean, you go try to drink a, a bunch of poison, you're going to die. But maybe you're out in in the wilderness in Africa or something, and you, you don't know you're drinking poison, I believe you can claim that verse. I wouldn't try it if I were you, because you'd still be tempting God. But they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And the word there, sick, is arahostus, which means sick folks. It means it also has another meaning in Greek. It also has the meaning of... of uh, the Greek word is kalos, which means well, good, recover, full well. So we, got, we can see, you know, you've got to dig into the Word of God to find out what it's really say, saying. You just can't skim over it. You've got to study. Also, God heals by anointing with oil. We know that when Jesus sent out the 12 in Mark chapter 10, you know, he sent them out. And, and they anointed people with oil, and they were healed. That's another way that God heals. And another way, he heals by calling for the elders of the church, that you come up and pray over them. And then James says, is any of you sick? Now, I looked up that word. It's athenos in Greek, G770. Here's what it means, feeble. 
diseased, even impotency of a man, sickness and weakness. And you know what? You know what? When the Jews came out of Egypt and they were marching through the Red Sea, you know, on dry land and the walls of, of the Red Sea were on both sides and the Egyptian army was held back back there by, by the fire, you know. Here's what Psalm 105 says. You got to take Psalm 105 over Charlton Heston's uh, movie about the Ten Commandments, because though in that movie he shows all the weak people with the crutches and everything coming out of the Red Sea, they're dragging up behind. Here's what Psalm 105 says, verse seven: He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble among them. So. You know, Charles Heston in the Ten Commandments movie didn't adhere to the Scriptures. They came out perfectly healthy. There wasn't a feeble one among them, which I told you the word is athenos, which means feeble, diseased, impotent, sick, or even weak. He brought them out with silver and gold, too. They were healthy. God heals by agreement, like we did today. By agreement. God passed you know, I say again to you that if two of you shall agree on anything as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father who is in heaven. Listen, if healing wasn't for today, you should take out chapter 12 and 14 of the Corinthian church letter and throw it away. Because the Bible is very clear. To another faith, he gives gifts, another faith, another of the, same, of the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. Why is it even written? If it isn't, if it isn't true. Boy, I'm running out of time. I'm already out of time, aren't I? I'm going to go through these real quick, just real quick. Where do miracles happen? I'll go with number one, where believers pray. If you don't pray, it ain't going to happen. Jeremiah says, call. God says through Jeremiah, call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things we don't know. Where impossibility exists. Mary being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and impregnated, impossible. Maybe not today, but impossible then. If you have faith and don't doubt, says Matthew 21, where religion fails. Religion will fail you, but the Word of God will never fail you. An angel went down a certain time of the year and stirred up the water, and the man that was crippled for 38 years tried to get in, but he couldn't get in fast enough, and he wasn't healed. Religion failed him, but Jesus didn't. Because Jesus came up and healed him and told him to take up his bed and walk, which got Jesus in a lot of trouble. Where God gets the glory. That's another place. It has to be God. If you think for one minute you laid your hands on somebody and you had a part in it, no, you did have a part. That might have been your gift. But, but you know what? You better not think it's you. I wouldn't brag about it if I were you. I mean, you better be careful how you do. Because I've, I've, I've done it myself. I know people that have done it. But you've got to be careful. Because God will not give his glory to another. You know where else miracles happen? Where gifts are given. For God so loved the world, he gave his son. You know? And also 1 Corinthians 12, which I just read. Number eight, number six is where Jesus is glorified, just like God. Jesus even fell down in John chapter 14 and said, Father, that the Father may be glorified through the Son. And also where touch is made, and we talked about that, where there is touch, there is an exchange of something with touch there is some kind of transfer and the laying on of hands. 
touching is a spiritual principle. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much because they had just anointed him with oil and laid their hands on them. The two shall agree on anything on earth as touching that they shall ask. It shall be done for them of my Father, said Jesus. And where confirmation is made, confirmation, these signs will follow those who believe in my name. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will drink deadly poison and we will not hurt them. So where confirmation is made. You say you're a Christian, miracles will happen around you. I don't believe you can be a Christian and not see a miracle. You know what? You might per, you might not think of a miracle, but your next breath comes from God, and that's a miracle, whether you know it or not. That's as simple as that. Listen, I didn't have time to expound on this because I don't want to, you know, you already gave up 26% of your hour from the Lord, but, but you know what? You spend it with the king. Father, tonight, we or today, we just thank you, praise you, Lord, for everything that you've done, Lord. Thank you for, for what went on here today, the excitement in this place. And thank you, Lord, that you're going to protect our brother Brett in Nigeria and all the team that's with him and protect his wife and children at home and also the trip to Brazil, Lord God, that's going to come up, that protection would be made for the, the Hennis family, Lord, as they go. And, Lord, as this church departs here today, let your word weigh heavy on our hearts to realize you are the God that heals us. You heal us physically, spiritually, and emotionally. In Jesus' name, to God be the glory. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. I love you all.